This podcast may contain content that is not suitable for listeners under the age of 18. If you are 17 or younger and wish to educate yourself about sex and relationships, you should visit scarletine.com. That's scarletine with one T. Hey, I'm Alicia, your non-monogamous relationship coach. Welcome to the podcast where my friends and I chat about our relationships, enthusiastic non-monogamy, polyamory, swinging, kink, and our lives. You'll get a candid peek into what makes it worth it to live life outside the box. And in case you're still wondering, nope, we're not monogamous. Okay, today I have Krista Kathleen with me. And Krista's been coaching uh, online. She's been coaching women since 2016. After she got fired from her full-time nursing career and divorced all in the same week, that had to be hard. Um, She sold her belongings and left the United States to travel all over the world. She was working and living in 50 different countries. And she had her first baby Lincoln at home during the pandemic and just published her first book, Beyond the White Picket Fence. And she plans to open her own life coach certification in the fall of this year and has a goal to train and mentor at least a thousand life coaches in the next 10 years. Um, Krista sent me her book, Beyond the White Picket Fence, Breaking Out of the Life Everyone Expects You to Live, to read. And um, this book was a wild ride. (laughs) Oh, I love it. Um, So my very first question to you, Krista, is... You mention in several different places in your book, your non-monogamy journey. And that's what I'd like to ask you about first, since this podcast is, nope, we're not monogamous. Yeah, that's the most, well, first of all, that was like the most amazing introduction anyone's ever done. So thanks. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that was like my favorite part about writing this book was sharing my non-monogamy journey. So let's dive in. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Totally. Um, I'm curious how it just kind of give a a quick breakdown for our listeners, um, like how it started, but like, how has it evolved and is it still, are you, are you still non-monogamous? Are you monogamous? Like how, how has that looked? Uh, so it started from an accident or by accident. So just to give everyone a little bit of a background, and this is explained in the first chapters, I grew up very religious. Um, in the Lutheran church and in church, you're taught that you should not have sex before marriage and that you only, you know, love and sleep with one person for the rest of your life once you get married to them. And just like all these uh, relationship models that did not, you know, sit well with me, but I didn't know there was any other options. So I just went along with them because that's all I was taught growing up. And I didn't want to die. I didn't want to go to hell. Uh, I was a good girl. I wanted to be in God's good graces. (laughs) So uh, with that being said, I tried as hard as I could in high school and college to avoid sex as much as possible. And let me tell you, that was hard, right? With this hormone. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And so I really suppressed my sex drive and ended up meeting my soon-to-be husband in nursing school and college. He was uh, a nurse as well. And I had slept with, I think about like three men before him, but like did it from a place of like judgment and self-sabotage and I shouldn't be doing this. So I really didn't enjoy my experience or or really dive into it. And then I remember on my wedding day being like, oh shit, 
Like I'm only going to be able to sleep with one man for the rest of my life. And I am feeling this, like this inner desire to just go nuts. I just want to like have all these different types of sexual experiences and sleep with all kinds of different men, see all kinds of different cocks and, you know, just <laughs> everything. And I, and I didn't know, like, how, who do you tell that to on your wedding day? Like that was super scary and terrifying. So of course I just shoved it down. I was like, Krista, you're fine. You're just pre-wedding jitters, whatever. It's going to be fine. Well, it wasn't fine. And so a month later, um, we were transitioning, we were in the military and we were transitioning to our new duty station. And I went back home to St. Louis for a little bit while he was setting things up at our next station. And I went out for a friend's bachelorette party. This is a month after I got married and went out for a bachelorette party. We got wasted. We were at a winery. There was a bachelor party that was there at the same time. And before I knew it, I was, me and the bachelor were making out and like dry humping each other on the party bus. And it was just, it was insane. And the next morning I remember waking up being like, Oh my gosh, like, what did I just do? I just got married a month ago and I already cheated on my husband. (sighs) And so um, I decided to tell him because I don't like lying. I don't like secrets. And of course he was, you know, upset and outraged at first. And then he was like, well, maybe we need to open up our marriage. And I was like, I don't know what that means. I don't know anything about that. Like growing up at a Lutheran, nobody taught me anything about this. So what we started doing was reading books and watching documentaries. And then we signed up for um, on the Cassidy website, we created a profile on there. And then we started casually going on dates with other um, swingers and like interviewing them and asking them questions about the lifestyle. And that's like how we started to get into that journey. So I feel like maybe I should stop. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I I mean, I feel like that's um, probably a pretty common, common way that people wind up opening up, right? Just kind of like, like all of that repression starts to boil out. Yeah, it had to go somewhere. And then, um, so you guys did like the swinging thing for a little while and then kind of shifted to polyamory. How did that look? Um, So, well, first I need to say is that We did not, I know there's a lot of different reasons that people like open up their relationships and polyamory and everything. And, and I don't think we did it from the best place. We did it from trying to save our marriage. It was going down a bad path. And I think that anytime you do it from that place, it's just, it's not going to work out. (laughs) I'm curious if you, I don't know what your thoughts are on that, but. So I coach a lot of couples who are either already have an open relationship of some form or are wanting to. And anytime I'm establishing that coaching relationship with them, I make it really clear that like the individuals are my client and I'm supporting the the individuals that are in front of me and, and supporting what's in each of their highest good and not what's best for the relationship itself, right? Like, like the relationship itself is not my client and I'm not here to save it. (laughs) you know? Um, and, and if their relationship is what's best for them, then fantastic. Let's do that. But, um, if they're trying to open their relationship because there are a lot of other issues happening, it's chances are, (laughs) chances are it's not going to (laughs) work because those issues have to be solved first. You can't add more people and add more complexity 
and, and think that that's going to fit. Like having a baby isn't going to fix a relationship or, you know, moving isn't going to fix a relationship, doing these things that create more chaos and, and like just upheaval. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I love your approach on that. Thank you for sharing that. And so as you can imagine, like transitioning from swinging to, you know, having shared experiences together to open polyamory, having separate experiences, especially he was um, living in a different state doing military training for five months. It just added to the chaos. Yeah. Uh, And while I really enjoyed that, uh, there was a, I was doing CrossFit at the time and there was a, uh, the owner of the CrossFit gym that we really just started to feel for each other. And then I remember like asking my husband, Hey, is it okay? Like I'm, I'm really attracted to this guy. Is it okay if we go on a date together? And um, he finally agreed and like, oh man, that was like one of my most favorite dates of all time. And just so like hot and scandalous. And and he knew about it the whole time, right? It's it's not cheating. Like we talked about it before, but man, that was a good one. I enjoyed that. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's so much fun. What do you think was the biggest challenge? when you guys decided to open up? Uh, it's, I mean, it brings up a lot of emotions, especially jealousy, right? You know, that's one of the top ones. And uh, it was before I became a life coach and before I had done a lot of personal development work. So, and same for him as well. And we were like in our twenties. So we just didn't know how to work with those strong emotions that were coming up. Now with my current partner, we are experimenting with some swinging and open experiences. And, um, it's, it's a lot easier to now when these, when emotions come up to identify them and like how to work through them and, and how to have proper support around them. So it's a lot easier now knowing all that, but yeah, when, when you're new to it and if you're like afraid of jealousy, uh, it's just, it's scary because it's like, overpowering you and you don't know what to do with it versus like really I don't know do you um do like shadow work or mm-hmm. do you know Elliot existential yeah. think I figured you did like you know really like leaning into like jealousy and like oh I love how this feels it feels so good like that's that's yeah. what it's easier yeah I, I think that the easiest correlation I have for myself was the recognition that anxiety and excitement feel exactly the same in my body, right? I get the same like jitters and my stomach hurts and like, I, I like adrenaline and like, like the feeling of when I'm anxious and when I'm excited is exactly the same. And so really shifting, like, actually there's something I'm excited about here when I'm feeling anxious. Like, what is it that I'm excited about? Even, even like the tiniest thing. And I think the same kind of applies to jealousy, like finding what, what it correlates to, right? Like, what is it about feeling this way that I, what piece of this do I enjoy or, or do I maybe feel comfortable in, even if it's not enjoyment, like there's something here that feels comfortable for me more so than going and doing this thing. That's super outside of my comfort zone. (laughs) I like that. I like that. Yeah. You help your clients to have those shifts um, and to identify that you're right. Excitement and like anxiety um, can feel like the same exact thing in your body. So um, you and he didn't wind up staying together then? No, no. (laughs) I mean, I read the book, but I don't want to give it all away. So (laughs) 
Um, so you guys didn't stay together. <laughs> I don't even know if I talked about him in the book. I don't think I did actually. I mean, there is just so many, I had so many sexual experiences and people I met that like, I just didn't have enough time to write about it all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, what's funny is, um, when I was, so I had a ghostwriter and editor who was helping me to write this book. And when I, and, you know, every week we would meet and I would tell her about all these sexual stories and everything. And she was just like, Oh my gosh, Krista, you've had more like adventures in your life than anybody I've ever known. And just more like experiences than most people. And I was like, Oh my gosh, you're right. Like that's why it had to go in this book. There was just too much to unpack. Yeah. 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 There's a ton. Um, and you know, I, while I was reading it, I found like, there were pieces that I absolutely could not relate to, like just coming from different worlds. And then, and then we got to pieces where I was like, Oh fuck, I totally see myself in this. Like, like, like I said, it was a wild ride. Like uh, I was not raised religious. I didn't have any of that like religious shame around sexuality. I mean, I had plenty of cultural conditioning that we all kind of get, but, um, but I mean, I was a slut from a really early age. (laughs) Um, But the travel pieces Fuck, that resonated for me. Totally. Totally. I grew up um, when I was 13 or 14, my parents started, um, they had a like a side business in Mexico. And so they would pull me out of school and we'd spend three or four months a year in Mexico. And I was just surrounded by people from all over the world. Um, and that like really shaped who I am. And so, yeah, it just, it, that resonated a lot for me. And I think, I think there are like each chapter in here is like a totally different thing. And I think there's something for everybody that but they could really get out of it. Okay. So I'm curious when you and your husband, um, shifted to polyamory, what did that look like? Um, so we shifted to polyamory. Okay. So yeah, this is the big, this is the big thing. Yeah. Is that we were getting to a breaking point where we were getting in fights daily And he was, my husband was saying like, we need to get out of the lifestyle. We need to be done with this. If you're, if you don't end this, like we're going to be done. We're going to be divorced. Like he was threatening me with divorce all the time, giving me these ultimatums, which is just not good. But, um, and I didn't want to get out because this was like the first time in my life that I felt like sexy and attractive and men wanted me and I felt free to explore and, And I also knew our marriage wasn't doing so well. So this was kind of like the one thing that I was holding on to for hope that we could work together. Again, not good to do it from that place, but I didn't know better at the time. And so basically I, I, that night I went onto our Cassidy profile and I was getting ready to delete our account. And then I saw that this couple had messaged us and there was just something really intriguing about their energy and their pictures. And I was like, I want to get to know them better. Um, So I started messaging with the husband and um, I noticed that I was like every day getting more and more excited to read his messages. And then I finally told my husband, I was like, Hey, listen, I know you said we need to get off the account, but there's this couple. I really think that we should meet them. They're young like us. They also want to world travel. They don't have kids. Like that's kind of a rare thing in the lifestyle. So, and they were both really attractive as well. So he was like, fine. Okay just this one couple, but none others. And so um, the four of us got in like a group text chat on WhatsApp and um, over a couple of months, like we were sending sexual 
texts back and forth and getting to know each other and sending pictures and everything. And then eventually we decided to meet up and do a double date. And it's like, oh my goodness, that night after that night, like everything changed, like just meeting them. It was like, I I just fell in love immediately with the other husband and he did the same with the wife. And, and I think that it was a similar experience for them as well. And I just knew, I remember like driving home the next morning. I was like, this couple is going to change everything in our lives, which was exciting and scary at the same time. Then after that, we became like this quad couple and we, they would, we would hang out together every weekend. Like we were just obsessed with each other. And before we knew it, it was, I was spending more time with the other husband. He was spending more time with the wife than we were spending in our own marriages. And eventually we asked them to move in with us full time and they did. And um, people knew like something interesting was going on, but nobody wanted to say. And we thought we were doing a good job of keeping it undercover, but people kind of knew that it was not just like a roommate situation. (laughs) And, um, and then we just kind of had to like call a duck a duck eventually. And I remember like, yeah, my husband and I sitting down saying like, this isn't working anymore. Like we don't want to, I don't want to be with you. I want to be with this other person. And it was so interesting falling in love with this man and then watching my husband fall in love with this other woman as our marriage is, is falling apart. It was like such a weird dynamic. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of a like holding both of those things at the same time. Yeah. Like feeling these really high highs and these really low lows. And it was just, it was so hard for my brain to process all that in one sitting. Yeah. Was it, uh, was, did that go really quickly? Uh, what do you mean? Exactly? Like, uh, like that relationship, like them moving in and whatnot. Was that like a very fast? Uh, yeah. I mean, it was relationship build. <laughs> Yeah, so it was in April when we did our double date, and then they moved in that September. So I think it's fairly quick. Yeah, I wonder if you could go back and do it over. Would you move that quickly? We'll be right back. Hey, it's Alicia here. You know, the voice you've been tuning into episode after episode. Today, I'm popping in with an invitation that's really close to my heart. Behind the scenes, I've been crafting something special just for you, my dedicated listeners. If there's a voice inside you that's seeking guidance on navigating the realms of relationships and non-monogamy, um, wanting to like boost your confidence and find that unwavering sense of security, or you're struggling to manage the tricky waters of jealousy... I'm here to offer my support. I've cleared my schedule to open up 50 slots this month for free one-on-one clarity chats directly with me. So this is your opportunity to dive deep into those pressing questions and come out on the other side with newfound clarity and direction. The availability on this is super limited and these spots are going to fill up really fast. So don't miss your chance to connect with me. Head over to my website, aliciapayne.com right now. Go secure your spot because together we can uncover a path to a more joyful, fulfilling, and easy non-monogamous journey. Talk to you soon. I think so. I think it all happened the way it needed to. And I'm still, even though, you know, we all ended up getting divorced from our partner, 
um, that it, I'm, I'm grateful for that experience. And I think it, it was a catalyst for things that needed to happen in our life and to create change. So I don't regret it. Um, and I wouldn't change anything actually, even though like it was, I call that my hurricane year, 2016, when everything went down, but I'm, I'm, it's a, it was one of the biggest gifts the universe gave to me. Yeah. I love hearing that. I know that one of the really big fears that people have is, um, what if, what if my partner falls in love with someone else and then our relationship ends, right? Or what if I fall in love with someone else and then, and it's like a game changing relationship, right? That. And then our relationship ends and, and people like, there's this huge fear. Like, what if something changes? What if something changes? And I've never, ever, ever had talked to anybody. I mean, I'm sure they're out there, but I've never talked to anybody who went through a change like that, who like gets divorced or, or has a big life change like that, that, and they look back and go, I wish that that never happened. Almost all the time they go, this was honestly like the, a gift. It was the best thing that could have happened because now I'm in a place that is where more, more authentic to me and more where I want to be getting chills. <laughs> yeah. Because if we were meant to stay together, it would have been, I think it would have been easier to stay together. Like I, I just, yeah, it was not, we were not meant to continue on and, and same with the other couple as well. So I think, yeah, we put like too much, like you said, we give too much power away to the external situations and circumstances. And I think that we just have to trust and follow our instincts. And if something is saying this feels right, this feels exciting, um, just to follow it. And then we have to surrender and whatever is going to happen is going to happen. Um, and it's, it's, can you lean into the unknown? Can you play with that? Well, I, I trust that the, you know, the, the most, the best thing will happen for the highest good for everyone. Yeah. I agree with you. Like 85%. <laughs> <laughs> Um, because I do, I think everything always winds up working out exactly how it's supposed to. Right. And I also think I'm, I'm a huge proponent of moving slowly and taking time for integration, especially in when a relationship is new, right? Because that new relationship energy and the brain chemicals that we get when we're falling in love, make us do stupid shit sometimes. (laughs) And some people more than others. Definitely some people more than others, like their body is just like, you have to be in that all the time. (laughs) And actually, I'm glad we're talking about this because with my current partner, and like I said, we are, you know, like trying this because I know for the rest of my life that I want to be, you know, either swinging or polyamorous in some way. Um, And there was a, a married couple that we had met last fall. And like this time I, I wanted to go slow. You're right. Like, it felt better to go slow. I didn't feel a need to rush um, or to push things. They didn't like that. It was their first time. So this is what I'm finding, right? When people are new to this, that it's just like, go, 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 go. And then when people are kind of more experienced, it's so they're like more okay with slowing down. And so they were really wanting like to, you know, have sex on the first night. That's like a big thing is I don't like to have sex on the first date anymore. Um, and then they were wanting to like meet up every weekend. And I was just like, no, like let's, let's calm down. And it just didn't work out. So. Yeah. 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 Same, 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 same. Um, I, I have the same rule. I don't no sex on the first date because I don't want to get digmatized. And <laughs> there, yeah, there's just something. And I find that when you move slowly like that, it really creates space for one, a longer period of that, like limerence of the really juicy 
good NRE feelings. It just, you can spread it out and it, it lasts longer. And then also it's just so much calmer on our nervous systems. Like, like taking time, like you stretch your comfort zone and then you, you take time to kind of come back to what feels good and normal. And then you stretch it again. And I, I think that that, um, you know, saves not just like our mental health, but relationships and the rest of life. Like we still have to do our jobs and raise our kids and pay our bills. And, and when you're obsessed and in love, it's like, it can be really hard to do those things. Oh my gosh. Yeah. You're, you're hundred percent correct. Yeah. I loved hearing you say um, that, you know, that you don't want to be monogamous. Um, I was, so I was previously married monogamously for 13 years. And when I got divorced, I was like 35 and I knew without a doubt that I did not want to be monogamous again. I didn't want to be tied down in that way to like one person and there be their everything. Um, but I didn't know what that looked like because I didn't know anybody else doing that. Right. I was like, I'm just going to be a slut forever and just be honest about it. Cause that feels like the right thing to do. <laughs> and then I learned about swinging and ethical non-monogamy and polyamory and um, got remarried. <laughs> but I love, love, love to ask the people that come on the show if you believe or feel that monogamy versus non-monogamy, is it a uh, choice that we make or is it like an orientation? What do you think? That is a powerful question. I've wondered that for a long time myself, to be honest. Um, and the reason is, is because ever since I've been little, um, I always liked having multiple boyfriends. I remember in like grade school, I would have three boyfriends at the same time. And I thought like, that's just normal. And that's how people do things. So, you know, like I didn't know back then, I didn't know what I was choosing. I just was like following what felt good and what felt right. So if you look at it from that point of view, it feels like it's more of an orientation. And I actually like just had this debate on Facebook as well. And asked the same question to my following is like, yeah, do they, we always talk about sexual orientation, but we don't talk about like, you know, loving multiple people at one time, if that could be considered an orientation, like, um, you know, on, when you fill out all the different forms now and everything, and, and they're trying to be more inclusive and they have like, you know, non-binary and, uh, queer and pansexual. Or, yeah, I don't know. Just like, why, why not include more of these types of topics? Right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think, I think there is, there's like a spectrum, right? I think, I think people, some people do lean more monogamously and other people are lean more polyamorously. Um, but I think it's super fascinating. <laughs> it is. Yeah. And then reading some of those books too, like, oh, you know, ethical slut, that was a good one. Um, I don't remember what some of the other ones were that we read. But, um, and, and they, they talk, they go more into the history and they talk about like the human brain and sexuality. And if you really do study that, uh, it is, it's just fascinating and it'll really open your mind as to like, where did this whole monogamy thing came, come from? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, how else are you going to pass on your legacy? <laughs> yeah. It's a fascinating topic that we could talk about for hours. <laughs> Totally. Um, did you, I, I was curious before you wrote this book and released it, were you, um, op open about your relationship orientation about not being monogamous? I was. Yeah. Um, I, 
kind of been like writing this book for years by I was writing um, for me when I create social media posts, it's like very healing and a way for me to express what's going on in my life. Um, and it's really cool because it serves my audience and my community as well. So um, basically this book like kind of became a collection of like all these different Facebook posts I was writing. And so, yeah, for years before this, I was writing that um, I was in an open marriage and and it was really great because then I had all these people start reaching out to me that um, also were in similar situations and I got some coaching clients from it and other people just felt safe talking to me. And so that's actually like kind of my biggest goal moving forward as like I'm creating this life coach certification program is to like create these super safe spaces where people can show up as themselves and they can express themselves in whatever way. And so I feel like the more that I share my story of, you know, just being open about all these different taboo things like that, that gives permission for people to be like, Oh, wow. Like I don't have to like hide or I don't have to pretend Um, because we, we do so much of that all day every day anyways. And like, I just really want to see a world where we do have more um, spaces where we can just say like, yeah, I have multiple lovers and it's great. Or I, I had an abortion and I'm okay with it. Or like, you know, just like things like that, that are so taboo. Like, why can't we just talk about them? I just want to talk about them. <laughs> yeah, totally. Totally. I completely agree. Yeah. People ask that all the time. Um, like how, how can, like, how do you find the courage to be so open and just talk about your life like that? Aren't you worried about people judging you or, or my favorite is, Oh, I could never, you know? And I, I, and I found like the more honest and true to myself that I am with everyone, the more the people that it resonates for show up in my life and the people it doesn't, they just go away. Like, like it's a non-issue because they just aren't there. (laughs) No, you're right. Um, like Brene Brown has a quote. I know it's not word for word, but she's like, the the more you own your story, the less other people will try to own it. Yes. Yes. And it's true. Like if you radically accept and approve of yourself and all of the dark, crunchy parts too, then it doesn't leave any room for people to judge you. And if they do judge you, like I just don't even notice it or I don't even really care anymore because like, I think I'm fucking awesome and I'm doing really cool things in this world. And like you said, if people aren't on board with that, like they can go judge somebody else because there's not really space for that here. Yes, yeah, totally. Really good. <laughs> it feels really damn good to get to this place in life. Oh man, doesn't it? I really, I just, I wish, I wish it could happen so much sooner for people, right? Like, God, if I had this kind of power when I was in my twenties. But it's like, right. You don't just wake up feeling like this. Like I, I had to go through the shit storm. I had to, that's how this book was born. Like I had to go through all the things to go through, to get to this other side. And so that like, when I were, and I'm sure it's the same with you, like working with your private coaching clients and they have their breakdowns and everything. And and you just like walk side by side with them and remind them like, it's going to get better and you're going to love being on the other side, but we got to get through this right now. And it sucks. Yeah. It won't be this forever. I'm curious. What do you think makes for a successful relationship? I'm still, I'm going to be honest. I'm still trying to figure that out in my current relationship. Yeah. (laughs) I think it's about being able to communicate with each other. I think communication and then having the tools to work through 
any kind of situation. I think if you have those two ingredients, you will find some sort of success. Yeah, I love that answer. Yeah, being able to like to repair the ruptures that happen rather than just kind of skim over them, which I think is is the example that's set for us all, you know, just kind of sweep it under the rug and keep going because you're stuck in this rather than let's let's fix this and build it and make it even better and having having the capacity and the skills to do that I, I think is super important. And it's interesting cuz my partner and I just had a baby a little over a year ago. And so we're navigating parenthood together, which brings on, you know, a whole new set of challenges and then still trying to, you know, occasionally bring in these outside experiences to keep things juicy and honor our needs. And so that is a, that's even a different layer, right. Of being parents and then being open and, you know, polyamory and everything. Oh, that, that. Okay. I have a question about that. Have you found since having a baby has your, for both of you, has your, um, like, like the people that you are drawn to or wind up meeting up with has, have, has that changed? Like, do you find yourself meeting up with more other people who are parents? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, before when my husband and I were, you know, did not have kids, like it was really hard to hang out with other couples who did. And then now all I want to do is hang out with other couples who do have kids. Cause it's just, you just have so much more to talk about and relate to. I, I find the same thing. Or like, even as, as your baby gets older, you'll find that in my experience, you, you find yourself meeting up with people who have kids in the same kind of age range and who are going through the same kind of parenting experiences and have the same kind of like childcare quandaries and <laughs> same kind of life schedules. (laughs) You know, something that I'm looking forward to, I haven't told my partner this yet, but um, is when our son gets older and I'm sure he's going to be involved in a lot of sports because both of us were, is getting to like meet up with the other parents and see like if there's an attraction to them and and getting to like, like, I'm just convinced there's got to be I'm here in St. Louis and it's a little bit more conservative here in the Midwest, but I'm convinced that there's got to be like just parents out there who are just need that release and, you know, have that, that secret. And I don't know, I think it'll just be a fun new population to see what comes from that. Like, you know, you're sitting at your kid's sports event, but then you're secretly wondering like the person sitting next to you, like, Ooh, is there something here? (laughs) Looking, looking for the clues. (laughs) Ooh, what would you say? That's a good one. What do you, what would you say the clues are? Oh gosh. I don't even know. I'm so like unabashedly open. Uh, <laughs> I don't even know anymore. I mean, there was a time when I definitely looked for it. Um, I definitely question anybody who has a hot tub, <laughs> especially if they have small children and they have a hot tub. I'm like, yeah, they're probably swingers. Um, <laughs> But I'm, I'm like, I'm so, I mean, I have a live-in triad. So like there, there is very few situations, social situations that we move through where it's not apparent that we have an open relationship of some sort. And so people usually just open up to us, but I think, but there definitely was a time when that was not the case and, and we would kind of dance around conversations. And then I'd be like, wait, is this flirtation or is this, what is this? What's happening? (laughs) 
<laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, I did not know you were in a triad. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I um, I uh, live with my husband and our girlfriend, and her husband also lives with us, but we aren't romantically involved with him. I also have uh, another partner that lives with his three spouses, um, like 30 minutes away. Yeah, yeah. And my husband has a couple of partners. And yeah, we, we've got a big old polycule. <laughs> but I mean, like, it, it didn't always look that way, right? Like, I went from like, a nor- like, normal monogamous marriage with a couple of kids and a house, you know, like, like the average, you know, sports, my total soccer mom. Um, <laughs> and, um, you know, and then I got divorced and everyone thought I went crazy <laughs> finding myself and um, got remarried. And, but like my husband and I have never been monogamous together. Like we came into this, we got married for a lot of like really logical reasons that made sense for our life. I mean, besides the fact that we love each other. But um, the the marriage piece was like practical, you know. <laughs> yeah, so we've never we've never been like an average family since for like the last like eight years. So, <laughs> and you know, as you were talking, it reminded me of something of when I was first um, when we were first in the lifestyle. Is I found that a lot of women would put that they were. Um, by or you know that they were interested in women and and men and I was I felt very out of place that like because I'm not I'm just attracted to men and it almost felt like I was like doing something wrong sometimes at like some of these um, swinger parties and like these women would come up to me and would just assume that I was into women and I was like no I'm sorry I'm not like I, I had I've done stuff with women before because you know we like to you know, kind of put on a show for the men, but, you know, deep down, it just never happened. And it was weird to that in that world, I felt almost a little bit like I was doing something wrong or I wasn't enough in some way, or I don't, do you have any like thoughts on that? I do. I do actually. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that is, um, uh, there's kind of this amongst monogamous vanilla people, there's this, you know, this fantasy, this, you know, kind of heterosexual male fantasy of being, having a threesome with two bisexual women. Right. And I think a lot in the the kind of more so in the swinger community that that's kind of to like expected. And I wonder actually if the majority of the women in that community actually are bisexual and this has is actually like a really great outlet for them that they previously couldn't um, explore. But I also wonder, like, how many of them are just performing, right? Yeah. Right. Which, which I think a lot of us wind up doing in in sex is just performing rather than behaving um, in a way that's really authentic to our own desires. Yeah. And and as I became more involved with the polyamorous community. And I found, I started meeting a lot of women who were more like, really wanted to be with women, leaned more homosexual than heterosexual, but society said, well, you need to be heterosexual and you need to find a husband. And you, you, you know, like there were these expectations set. And so I think there were a lot of women that, you know, have husbands that they didn't really want necessarily, you know, maybe, maybe they love that person, but um, if they had had their, their freely accepted preference, they would have been with women, you know? (laughs) Yeah. And I think I find that the sexual orientation thing to be 
I don't know. I, I feel like it's super, for me, it's super flexible, right? Like I'm attracted to women. I find women to be beautiful. And, and, and I've found that like anytime, oftentimes I will get big crushes on women that I admire and I like want to be like, and then I fuck them and I'm like, well, it's fine. Like it really wasn't a sexual thing. I just, for some reason, I felt like it needed to be a sexual thing because I had a crush and it needed to be like fulfilled. <laughs> I don't know where I was going with that. I, I had a, an original thought and it totally disappeared as I meandered. <laughs> Speaking of flexibility, uh, so I'm on this app called Open right now. Mm-hmm. Have you heard of it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So just, you know, casually we'll meander over there every once in a while and see what the situation is. And I was talking to this guy on there and he um, called himself hetero flexible. I never heard about that term before. So it's just so cool, right? It's so cool that you get to learn about all these different ways of existing and describing who you are and what feels best for you. And it's just so freeing that there's just, it's so many different colors of the rainbow. That actually reminds me of what I was thinking of was the the bisexual woman thing. And then, and then the heterosexual men in the swinger community is I wonder how many of the men have repressed sexuality and like, like are in this situation um, because they are, you know, maybe bi-curious or, or hetero flexible and just really don't know. And like the conditioning and the shame runs so, so deep. Uh, I often wonder if men who have kind of a one penis policy, like, you know, their, their partner can be with other women, but can't be with other men. Uh, I often wonder, like, what is he trying to protect there? Is he really trying to protect his heterosexuality? I, I mean, I'm curious about it. I, who knows? <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. I mean, you do see that. It's, it's very rare that you see bisexual men. And most of the time it's straight men and bi women in there. And it's just like, yeah, it, it's to a point where it just like raises concern. Like you said, is this really authentic or is there the pressure and the shame and all the things that are in the outside world too? So God, my wish for the world is that like we could eliminate sexual shame. Yeah, that'd be amazing. I love that. Like we're, we're, we're such sexual beings. Like it's such an integral part of like our wholeness and our, like, like our mental health and our physical health. It's so integral. And it's like, we've just been taught to make it this separate thing. Like we can talk about everything except for that. We can heal everything except for that. We can explore everything except for that. (laughs) I was a freaking labor and delivery nurse. Like the reason I had a job was because people have sex, right? And like, never talked about that in that world or that field. We never addressed that, even though obviously the baby came from two people. Yeah. Hopefully enjoying their fuck session. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Totally. Right. <laughs> yeah. So it, you're right. It's insane how it's just like this, um, like, yeah, we don't go there. We don't talk about that, but it's prevalent in our everyday lives and affects everything. I know I keep, um, I have a ton of um, sexual education books and, and gender education books and anatomy books that I just keep lit around the house. So my children can just pick things up and, and know that like, this is acceptable. Like this is a thing that we can just leave on the coffee table. Yes. There is a, a book of vulvas on our kitchen counter right now. And <laughs> nobody bats an eye. It's just because someone was flipping through it and put it on the kitchen counter. <laughs> 
That's amazing. Yeah. So I'm curious of your thoughts on this. Um, I did have um, a couple friends out in California that they were starting to open up their marriage more and they had a 13 year old daughter and they were trying to figure out how do we navigate that? Like, do we explain to her that these are just mommy and daddy's friends or do we, we be more open about that? So I'm just curious of like, obviously with having a one-year-old baby right now, we don't have to worry about that, but as children get older, like, how does that, how does that work? Oh, that's so good. That's so good. Um, I love this. So you're actually in a really beautiful position because, and often what, uh, so I've seen this a couple of ways, right? People go, well, well, when they're old enough, then we'll tell them, well, what's old enough? Like, like nobody has a definitive answer. Um, for my kids, they've been, you know, a part of, they're a part of our life. Um, but they were three and five when I met my husband now. And um, so nobody sits down with their children and goes, okay, you're, you're old enough now, we can explain to you what monogamy is. This means that mommy and daddy only have sex with each other, right? Like nobody does that. That's just, it's like, it's this big assumption that is made. Um, And the same applies if they grow up and you have lots of other people around, like at no point do we sit down and, okay, you're old enough now to understand that we are non-monogamous. And this means like, We aren't having sex where our children can see us or hear us. Like we aren't, you know, (laughs) we aren't doing these things that I, I, for some reason, I think people assume is happening, which is really weird because that would never happen. Our children know that there are lots of people in their lives that love them. Just like if they had lots of cousins or if I had lots of siblings or just lots of girlfriends that came around, you know, um, they know there's a lot of people in their lives that love them. And that's really all that matters. Um, mine are now 13 and 10 and are very aware. Like my daughter has lots of questions about like me and my girlfriend, you know, cause she's, she's at that age where she's like really trying to feel out like what's going on here, you know? And there are things that I'll answer. And there are things that I'm like, those are details I'm not going to give you yet. <laughs> you know, um, we asked my son recently, is it weird for you that there's so many people in the house? And he was like, no, as long as nobody takes my Xbox, like <laughs> he doesn't care. <laughs> their, their needs are met. <laughs> um, for someone who is opening up and has a teenage, I mean, at 13, she already knows it all. They're not going to surprise her. They might surprise her in the sense of like, they aren't doing what she assumed they were but like they're not going to give her information that's mind-blowing <laughs> you know <laughs> kids are having these conversations especially now like I mean maybe I, I I'm in the Seattle area and so it's a pretty liberal area but most of the teenagers that I know are either exploring gender identity exploring their sexual orientation exploring uh polyamory um ran into a 17 year old the other day who was like, Oh yeah, that's my boyfriend. And that's my girlfriend. Like, like it just wasn't a thing. Amazing. Yeah. um, Seattle was where we, I know I didn't talk about this in the book. I changed locations, but (laughs) Seattle was where this all began for us. And Uh (laughs) (laughs) you know, too, um, I was thinking about this. I felt, so I'm sure you were familiar with club Sesso in Portland before it was down. Um, that's where we would have our fun on the weekends. And I remember feeling safer um, 
being there than in a regular bar because they have so many like rules and boundaries and guidelines of like respect. And this is how you do things and don't do things. And like, I really appreciated that. And I was like, man, I wish every bar would have this because I felt like very safe as a woman there. Yes, I completely agree. I completely agree. I've I've had very similar experiences in um, like different sex clubs and whatnot. It's like, I think the big difference is we're just, we're talking about it, right? I remember uh, when I was like 16, I was at a bar in Mexico I was sitting at the bar, like drinking a Coke, I think. And this old man sat, was sitting next to me and he leans over and he looks at me and he says, have you ever farted out of your pussy? And I was, I was appalled. I was just like, oh my God, I, this, I mean, the dude was like in his seventies and I, I, I was, I could not, I didn't know what to do. And so I went and I told the manager of the bar and he's like, well, he pays a lot of money here. He spends a lot of money here. Sorry. Like, I'm, I'm not going to do anything about that. And I, I remember thinking, like, I, I don't understand why are, why do we not have a culture that, like, protects people, protects young women from anybody, really, any sort of predator, you know? Uh, and, and that is, that's the experience that I found in, in sex positive spaces is we are protecting people and we're talking about how to protect people and we're talking about consent and we're talking about, uh, personal boundaries. Wow. That's crazy. <laughs> it, it was, I was appalled. I was like, I don't, I don't know what to do. Shocked. <laughs> I mean, now I'd have plenty of comebacks, but <laughs> curious, what would your comeback be now? Have you? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, literally any question. <laughs> yeah. That's what I found after you train to become a coach, you have like the best um, questions that you can use for comebacks. It's great. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Like whenever I have like trolls, occasionally I'll have trolls on the internet. Um, you know, with this type of content I'm talking about and I'm like, oh, that's interesting. Tell me more. <laughs> when you come from that place, it like just fucks with people. It's awesome. It takes, yeah, it takes the wind out of their sails. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, that's actually, uh, are you familiar with Kaja Urbaniak's work and her book Unbound? No. Oh, check that out. It's fantastic. Um, She was a dominatrix and Taoist priestess for like 17 years. And her whole book is about teaching women how to take back their power. And that is one of the big tools is when somebody asks you a question like that, something that you're like, where you freeze and you answer it if you don't want to, or you just don't know what to do. And her thing is ask them a question back because it, 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 you, you, you take the power back when you ask a question and response, any question, right? Like that. Yeah. 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 Um, Okay. So before we wrap up, I have a a question I want to ask you. What is something that anyone can do for free that will help them approach relationships in a healthier way? Um, So something that my partner and I are going to start doing more intentionally is once a month, um, you know, have a date night where like, this month I get to play on the date next month. He gets to play on the date. And I think like on an everyday basis, there's so many different roles that show up in your relationship, right? Like your, your roommates, your parents, sometimes your business partners, like, and so your relationship, right. The, the romantic part gets lost in all of that. 
So I think if you can like set aside an intentional time to bring back that romance in and to like have the deep conversations and be present for each other. And that's all that matters in that moment. I think that could be huge, but it's like, you have to, you have to, you can't just like say, Oh, maybe it'll have like, you have to be really intentional. I feel like putting it on the calendar because life is busy and crazy, like putting it on the calendar and say, no, this night, this is for us. This is just for us. And I think that it's small, but it's big at the same time. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Simple, but not easy. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I love that. That's wonderful. Um, what I took away from your book, like the moral of the story that I, of everything I read was to um, live life authentically for yourself, despite all of the outside pressure to do otherwise. Is there anything that you would want to add to that for the listeners? I love that you took that away from the book because you're right. That it, that's what makes life worth living is you live it for yourself and not for anybody else. Um, and that's, that was the trap that I found myself in is I was trying to make everybody else happy and it just didn't work anymore. And then that's when all the, the, the shit started happening. So it's like, yeah, when you're not basically, if you're not living authentically, it's going to be expressed or present itself in some way or another. It's going to show up in cheating. It's going to show up in um, health problems. It it may show up in losing your job. So like you may as well start being real and honest with yourself now. Like what does it look for me to be authentic or express myself authentically or get my sexual needs met? Because if you don't honor those parts of you, it's just going to like bite you in the ass some other way at some point. Absolutely. We only have however long we have <laughs> you live it for yourself or live it for someone else. Oh, thank you so much. I've really, really, really enjoyed chatting with you. This has been fantastic. Um, if people want to find you, your work, um, where would they go? Yes. Yeah, so I have a website with my first and middle name, Krista Kathleen that they can go on to. And I have, um, everything like my coaching packages. I have my book on there. Or if you want to go directly to Amazon to find my book, it's Beyond the White Picket Fence. Um, there's a couple of Beyond the White Picket Fences. I'm the only one naked on the cover. So <laughs> <laughs> there's a Christian one on there. It's not the Christian book. <laughs> uh, yeah. Get the one with me naked on the cover holding the pink flowers. Um, I mean, there's your selling point right there. <laughs> <laughs> that was a really hard decision to put that photo. I went back and forth for the longest time and I'm glad I stuck with it and did it. But uh, yeah, it's really hard to put a almost naked photo of yourself out on a book that could land in the hands of anybody. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I yeah. did it. It's beautiful. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, of course. Thank you. This was amazing and just so freeing to be able to talk about all this stuff today. Thank you so much for listening today. 
It would mean the world to me personally and would help us keep this little podcast going if you would subscribe, leave a review, or share this episode with your friends. For more personalized support with your own relationships, we can work together on a one-to-one basis. Just visit my website at aliciapain.com and schedule a free call to chat about life, the universe, and your relationships. Bye.